and we look at the AI shit show that is open, <laughs> <laughs> open AI in the AI wars. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Too much? Too much? Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to GCP Life, episode number 54, for Friday, the 1st of December, 2023. GCP Life is sponsored by Kazna. At Kazna, we make your Google Cloud solutions possible. And I'm your host, Stephen Bancroft. On today's show, what is Google doing to Chrome? We'll take a look at the Broadcom buyout of VMware. There are plenty of security flaws on things. Plus, we take a look at the debacle at OpenAI in the AI wars. But before we get to any of that, I'd like to introduce the co-host of the show, Ian Brown. How are you, Ian? I'm good, mate. How are you? Good, mate. Good. It took a while to come up with that intro. It did, didn't it? <laughs> but now it'll all come out smooth in the edit. Don't worry. Yep. As it always does. That's it. That's it. Well, we're, I'm recording here today in this studio, and this, sadly for me, well, yeah, it is a little, little bit of sweet moment, uh, will be the last time I record in this room. Um, of course, this is this is a custom built room I I built here probably oh, twelve years ago now, and uh, it's just a soundproofed you know sound treated room. Uh, really great for recording and doing music stuff in. But uh, in my new house, I don't have any such luxuries there. No luxuries there. <laughs> uh, um, I need to spend some time, money, and effort to um, convert one of the rooms into something like this. But uh, yeah, next next show we'll be doing the. Um, the Christmas uh, Christmas special, and I'll, I'll I'll do my best to make my recording as good as possible from there. But then I'll uh, then I'll go ahead and make necessary changes. Yeah, uh, of course I am moving on the seventh, so it's all been go 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 here the last little bit. Uh, but uh, we did get the news that we're wrapping up with the project we're on. Yeah, yeah, we have, and yeah, I was going to say that the the room is looking very very bare. Yes, it's very sparse at the moment. Yep. Um, it's uh, thinly provisioned right now. <laughs> yeah. uh, the painting's still on the wall, though. <laughs> the painting's still on the wall. <laughs> but, yeah, no, we're, we're wrapping up on our project uh, tomorrow afternoon. We're done and dusted. Um, I already have the next project that I'm going to be on. Uh, that starts on Wednesday, I think. I'm rolling onto a new project. Wow, straight away. Yeah, wow. yeah, straight away. Yeah. So we're getting into the implementation phase of, of a project that's, um, that's in discovery at the moment. Yeah, so that's happening. So the, it is literally all go at the moment. The yeah. the Uni Super project is is pretty much done and dusted after tonight. Um, and then yeah, I'm on to I'm on to a new project. And yeah, I, I haven't got word of any new project yet, but I actually need a little bit of little bit of space and a bit of, bit of time off to settle into the new place. So um, I think yeah. that's what I'll be doing. Um. And of course, tomorrow I'm sitting uh, developer pro certification, recertification in the morning. Yeah, you are. Good luck. So I'm trying to squeeze in a little bit of recap study on that as well, on top <laughs> of everything else. <laughs> and then, so, and then I think uh, we're all planning to go down to Victoria sometime in the next few weeks to go and catch up with the entire team and and congratulate each other on a job well done. Have a little celebration for the Uni, uni Super project, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. and then I've I've just got confirmation today that I'm going down to Sydney in February to do the Chronicle training. Okay, right. Yeah. Yes, I did see the offer of that come up. So, um, yeah. yeah, interesting. Good, fun times. Um, yeah. 
I uh, I didn't put my hand up for that one. I've got some aspirations to do a bit of VMware training next year myself, so I'm going to set up my lab and do a bit of that. Yeah, nice. Uh, try try and fill in a few blanks there with some of uh, some of the skills around that. But uh, speaking of training, um, oh, before we get on that one, we probably should mention uh, registrations for next. Uh, oh yes, yeah. So uh, yeah. Google Cloud Next 2024 is being held in Las Vegas. This time from the 9th to the 11th of April, and mm-hmm. um, the early bird discount is uh, is open now. So early registrations are open, uh, so you can just jump onto the Google Cloud Next site and and register, and you get a discounted rate of uh, of call in the next five minutes, and you'll get a whopping discount <laughs> of nine hundred ninety nine dollars. <laughs> throwing a set of steak knives yeah. as well. <laughs> Maybe you might get steak knives. You might not. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Um, yeah, which apparently is a fifty percent off from the nigh on two grand that it costs normally to attend next. Mm-hmm. Early bird special. Wow. Uh, well, all right. Uh, let's get on with the show. Yeah, let's do it. And like I was about to say, speaking of training, um, Udemy, Udemy and Google Cloud have partnered. Um Udemy uh, online uh, training IT educator. Uh, I've not used them personally. I have heard a lot about them though. Um, now I have a new strategic partnership uh, which aims to provide current and aspiring cloud professionals professionals with a reliable and trustworthy platform to enhance their knowledge and skills in Google Cloud's cutting edge technologies, including. Generative AI. AI, oh, AI, AI, the AI, button? AI, generative AI, generative AI, generative AI, 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 AI,
Well, I was more worried thinking about uh, like a longevity kind of thing. Like Google has a habit of pulling the pin on stuff. Oh, yes. It doesn't pan out. Um, you know, why not outsource the education to someone like Udemy and then just scrub skills boost? You know, I, look, I. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think skills Playing boost devil's is, advocate there. Yeah, oh, well, yeah, 100%. And, and rightfully so, too. I mean, the. the Google graveyard is um, is huge, but but I think this is is more targeted to people who are just trying to get into the ecosystem. Um, so right. outsource that to a third party, um, get people involved in it, and get people liking the ecosystem. And then once they're in, they can access Skills Boost, which is much more in depth training and and uh, and pathways to certification. So anyway, let's we'll see how that goes. Um... They certainly wouldn't have any of the partner stuff on there because we no. obviously get access to partner cloud skills boost, um, which is gives us more in depth than behind the scenes stuff. Um, so yeah, there might still be some longevity in in, in cloud skills boost. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, let's move on. Um, just a quick one, I guess, and we have mentioned this on the show before, but uh, Google are going to pull Manifest Two from Chrome. Yes. What does this mean? Well, and this <laughs> but, is this is a bit of a pain. So I use AdBlock on yep. on all of my Chrome based browsers, uh, and at Manifest V two Googlers feel the API puts too much power in the hands of extension developers. That's so right. The the theory here is that someone could make an add on that offers to do things like block annoying ads. Gee, I wonder why. Well, uh, they 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 table it. They don't table it like that, though. They no. say this Chrome dot web request uh, method mm. allows too much, puts too much power in their hands, and it's yeah. insecure. It's insecure. Yeah. Well, but we've got another. We've got an alternative one that you can use, mm. but it doesn't nearly do half as many things. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's the bit that's annoying developers. I think it's yeah. Um, there's there's various issues, um, and and one of the quotes in the article is of various issues, including reluctance from developers to hobble their content blocking extensions by moving to Manifest V3. That's right. So it was delayed. Um, they were gonna they were gonna do it in December 2022, uh, but that was proved to be too ambitious. And then they were gonna go March 23, and they pushed it back again. But this time they say that's it, June 2024 in Chrome 127 and later. That's it. Yep. It'll be manifest will be gone. Uh, manifest three is the only way to go. And I, I do like the register's got a nickname for Google. I don't <laughs> yeah. know if you picked it up in the article, but the register calls Google the chocolate factory. The chocolate factory. I did see that, and I think. So, mean? so I had to look this yeah. up because I was like, "The chocolate factory? What? What's the what's the significance there?" Widgets. So yeah. I, I looked it up, and it's the the correlation between Willy Wonka's chocolate factory and, and Google, and the the weird and wonderful staff that they have in both. <laughs> so it's the eclectic bunch of of workers that are there. So and that's that's why they call it the the chocolate factory. The chocolate factory, right? Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, now, if you're using uBlock Origin, and by the way, if you're not using uBlock Origin, you really, really should be using uBlock Origin. Um, and it, it blocks all the ads, of course, and takes the ads out of YouTube. Um, that will not work um, post uh, this version of Chrome. 
But there is another one called Ublock Origin Lite, which does work with Manifest 3, but it's not as good, apparently. So I'm using AdGuard uh, for my stuff. And... And it's interesting because AdGuard was actually mentioned in this. So uh, Andre Meshkov is a CTO of AdGuard, um, and he was actually quoted as saying, with Manifest V3, uh, we've observed an immense effort that browser teams, Chrome in particular, are putting into working on a unified platform. And uh, to sum up this, it says, uh, we're hopeful that the new unified platform will bring substantial benefits to the entire browser extension ecosystem and that ad blockers like us will be con- be able to continue being up to the task and further improve. Now, what I take out of that is that they're not expecting AdGuard to be as good or as effective in Manifest V3 as it is in Manifest V2 because of the visibility that they get over your web requests. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I.e. they don't get the same level of visibility. That's it, and they can't just Which, interject and you, block stuff. Yeah, well, you can kind of get it. You don't. You don't want a nefarious plugin coming along and having full access to your pipeline and seeing everything going through. I, I, from that perspective, I get get it right. But um, boy, I mean, being able to block the ads is certainly very handy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really? that's right. Yeah. yeah. There was another requ- another quote further down the article uh, that Meshkov made. He's like, we're confident our ad blocking extension will be almost as good in terms of content blocking. Mm, 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 so, look, there's there's obviously a bit of trepidation out there amongst developers of extensions that, yep. that this is going to cause a bit of harm. And yep. incidentally, uh, blocking ads in YouTube um, is actually against their terms of service. It is against their terms and service. Now, I was going to bring this up because, um, let's face it, right? How, out of all the people that are watching YouTube, right, it's mobile's got to be the hands-down winner, right, Uh, in the YouTube watching, right? Don't have an ad blocker there, right? It's only in the browser where you're getting these ad blockers. So people are are making the argument that um, Google's bringing this in to remove the ability to block ads on YouTube, and I don't think that's the case. Like, I'm going I'm playing the, the opposite side mm-hmm. here. I think most of the uh, viewing, and therefore ad revenue, that's coming from YouTube would be on mobile, yep. and you're seeing the ads on mobile, yeah. right? The, the browser traffic would be very small in comparatively speaking. That's still a lot, but comparatively mm-hmm. speaking. Now... I have an ad blocker and I do happen to watch YouTube on my main TV, which has a computer on it and has an ad blocker. And it's, it's lovely not seeing the ads, yeah. right? <laughs> but when I do happen to watch, you know, I'm probably in the minority, I'd say. When I do happen to watch YouTube on my phone, the ads are obnoxious. Yep. It is really, and it's obnoxious. And, and, and uh, it's I, even, really, I think it's <laughs> even worse now. So I watch, I pay for YouTube premium because yeah. I watch, primarily watch YouTube on the telly and- I don't. My, I've got a smart TV, so there's no ad blocker there. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And the and you're right. The ads were so obnoxious. I just went, "Oh bugger it! I'm going to pay for it." But mm-hmm. then now, not only are you getting YouTube ads, but you're also getting the content creators putting ads in their content. Yeah, like they're sponsored by um, yep. Rough Greens or some other nonsense product, and yeah. it's like, oh, yep. here's a five minute segment of a fifteen minute video. Nord VPN, yeah, Nord <laughs> VPN. Like, here's a here's a five minute segment in a fifteen minute video, all uh, about some something yeah, that I don't care about. 
that's an off put. Yep. Yeah, and if, if a content creator does that too much, I just stop watching this stuff. Yeah, and that's that's what I've done too. I just I'm yep. over it. Yep. Um. Well, it remains to be seen. Um. I think. Uh, how much pressure can the devs put on Google for this? You know, and 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 what sort of changes are Google going to make between now and then? And are, are they going to commit to this deadline? That's the other thing. Well, let's <laughs> see. I I think at the end of the day. Google has a vested interest in delivering ads to people because their search ads is how they make money. That's their that is the the bit that makes them the most amount of money, and yep. it keeps all their other stuff alive. So, really, they they have a vested interest in the ads. So, I think that they're going to to force the ad blockers out as much as possible mm. without mm. looking like they're forcing the ad blockers out as yep. much as possible, and and just. Just, just hang on to that point because we'll touch on that again when we talk about uh, the evolution of Google search. search yes, yeah, definitely. Uh, but before we get on to that, um, just a quick one, I guess. Uh, the Broadcom acquisition of VMware is complete. It's done. Done and dusted. It's done. Done and dusted. Yep. Yeah, so Broadcom's uh, focus moving forward is to um, enable enterprise customers to modernize their private and hybrid cloud environments and they can continue investing in VMware Cloud Foundation. So they, they obviously see that as a, a massive, uh, a massive uh, cash bucket uh, because VMware has a heap of products out there. Like they've, you've just got to have a look, Cloud uh, vSphere, which is probably the, the most popular hypervisor in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got VMware Tanzu, which is um, it's sort of like an application deployment thing um, i've never really used it so i can't comment on how good bad or otherwise it is um mm. they've got their load balancing stuff like the rv load balancers are all vmware and now you're getting pass and sas stuff on there as well like yeah. the uh um, alloy db yeah. being deployed directly on vmware yeah we covered that not that long yep. ago that's right uh rv rv load balancers right which is which mm. is what we've got experience with now and in, in what we've just been doing um i can see more of that happening Yep. turning it into sort of a more of a personal cloud uh, offering, you know. Yeah. Um, an on-prem cloud environment. On, yeah, like, you know, I, I, uh, OpenShift or, you know, one of these, you know. Um, well, other one? I think you, OpenStack. OpenStack, OpenStack yeah. yeah. I think yeah. you've got to – so if you're going to deploy Google Cloud on-prem, which was an offering and I don't even know if it's still available, but there mm. used to be once upon a time edge, at Google. Edge, edge, edge. there. Yeah, so you have yeah. to have VMware for that and I think you've got to have um, specific types of switching behind that and, and a specific load balancer or ADC in front of it So yep. in order for, for it to all work. Yeah, so it meets the hardware requirements mm. from top to bottom. Yeah, that's, that would make sense, yeah. Yep. Because they're, they're using, you know, if they're using something like... Uh, Metal as a service. I don't know if you use that. It's the the canonical thing. Yep. Um, yeah, it uses the 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 DRAC and uh, Pix, Pixie to configure the hosts. Yeah. Right. So you've got to comply with you know with uh, the standard to make that work. Yeah, that's it. Um, so yeah, that's that's a, that's an interesting one. A quote from the article: Broadcom has a long track record of investing in the businesses we acquire to drive sustainable growth. And that will continue with VMware for the benefit of the stakeholders we serve. In other words, if you, I mean, reading between the lines there, they're not going to drive it into the ground and then sell it off. Yep. 
or shut it down. I, I certainly <laughs> hope not anyway because, I mean, there's a lot of business in, in the world that depend on VMware. Absolutely, yeah. yeah it's uh, too much behind it at the moment. Yeah, fairly ubiquitous yep. is a big word for the day. Ubiquitous, mm-hmm. indeed. All right, then. So moving on, uh, the age of AI. Google experiments with bold changes in search. Yeah, right. I, I was reading this article this morning going, wow, where's this notes in search? I can't see it. I don't have it. <laughs> Evidently, they haven't rolled it out to me yet. Uh, no, I think you can get to it in labs. Yeah, you uh, can. If you go to Google Labs, but uh, I just get the pop-up saying your account, this is not available to your account yet Yeah, in Google Labs. Um, but yeah, basically we're getting uh, we're going to get a few new features in search, um, and they are notes, follow, and something they're calling SGE, Google Search Generative Experience. Yeah, SGE. So the the so, notes thing I think is really cool. Notes is interesting. Yeah. So you 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 do a Google search, you can leave a publicly visible note on the search results. So allows other people to see um, what you've searched for or some comment on the notes. Perhaps I'm I'm not entirely sure, but it sounds it sounds like it could be quite a quite an interesting evolution. Because mm. seeing what happens now, uh, someone goes to a website. Uh, there may not be a feedback feature on there, or there may not be any sort of. Uh, forum or, you know, sometimes in a blog post you get like, the, you can put a response in. There may not be any of that. Uh, the site could be complete garbage. It could mm. be, you know, some pseudoscience stuff, right? Um, <laughs> not and, that we've ever seen uh, that on the internet before. Not that we've ever seen that on the internet before. <laughs> so what do you do? You copy the link, you go to Reddit, you spin up, you know, r slash rants and yep. you, you yep. have a thread there and everyone, everyone comments on it, Right. Right, you don't have to do that anymore. Right, you can directly make a comment uh, in Google search against it. Yeah. Right. So, uh, it, it, if it's if it's a bogus, you know, like a, a, a pseudoscience site, then everyone can say, you know, it could rank. Maybe there's a ranking. Cool. If there's a you know, number of stars or something. Um, uh, I guess it could it could work against it too because it could uh, it could open it up for review bombing. Oh, could Which, you could you imagine uh, yeah. the conspiracy theorist uh, oh, reading yeah. about like vaccines flat or flat Earth or <laughs> oh no? <laughs> but the the article that we're reading here says um, it's added uh, Google's added an option to follow specific search queries, uh, pushing new information versus requiring repeated searches. Yeah, this is the follow option now. That's the yes, follow. that's oh, the follow that's, option. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I didn't quite. I didn't quite follow what was going. So, okay, so it's kind of like, okay, this is kind of like Google Alerts. That's how I saw it. So, Oh, jeez, um, I haven't heard of that for a while. No, well, I, how do you think I get most of the news articles for this show? <laughs> <laughs> Google Alert going. Um, if you, So the example I give, if you're interested in vegetarian stir-fry, for instance, Google can alert you when new recipe pages appear on the internet. And yeah, right. as services to follow interests decline, including X... Facebook, newsfeed, and Tumblr, there's a chance Google could step in and fill in a gap, right? So you set the topic and then it just sends you new pages on that particular topic. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's Google Alerts, basically. Yeah, cool. So Google's search generative experience mm. adds generative AI responses to the top of search results. Now, this, mm. is, this is pretty cool. 
So uh, there's a quote here that says, users are really excited about this experience. Sentiment is higher. Um, and this, uh, I can't find this person's actual full name. It just says Edwards, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is not helpful. Uh, the statement indicates that SGE, as Google calls it, might deliver some of the benefits of searching with an AI bot without switching Google search entirely to chat. Right, because this 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 goes back to the point I was saying. Let's let's just you know, keep that because this this is balancing a fine line because they don't want to remove ad revenue no. for ads that appear in search, right? And the, the chat has the potential of doing that. Yeah, of course, right. Um, and addition to that, they and this article talks about it. They have the other problem of crediting the source of any information that comes from an, an LLM. Yeah. Right? Yeah, there's there's a whole heap of a whole heap of stuff there, but I think it could help. Um, I, I certainly see a use case for it with software developers who are searching troubleshooting information when they've got a bug or something like that. Um, I've I, I've been guilty of that, where you're trying to find the cause of a bug and and you just search for a generic sort of hey React is doing this or or Java is doing this. Um, you could see a a generated response there on on how you should be looking at implementing that code or at least some some boilerplate code there that might be helpful um recipes i've i've heard people talking about recipes in in generative ai i don't know that i'd really want yeah, to like, cook a recipe as long as it's not putting bleach and pool chlorine in your recipe because you know if yeah. that happens people will be following it yeah <laughs> Yeah, they would. <laughs> they would. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's still working the bugs out there and um, I don't know. It's it's going to be hard. I think we talked about this before and you, you said it's just the next generation, you know, it's iterative, the next generation of search, but I think it's going to be difficult to actually put it into search. Although Bing, Bing seems to have done it. Yeah, they've done it. Successfully, yeah. Yeah. Not that I've used Bing Chat or Bing Search for a <laughs> long time. A long time. Thankfully. All right, remains to be seen. Mm. Well, let's move on. Uh, memory store for Redis cluster in GA. Yeah. Yeah. So I brought this one up. Um, so memory store for Redis cluster. So we had memory store for Redis um, GA not that long ago. We covered that in the, in the podcast. And now we've got memory store for Redis cluster is GA. So it provides... Um, a 99.99% SLA with replicas enabled. Uh, it's a fully managed and open source software compatible Redis cluster with zero downtime scaling, both in and out, and provides up to 60 times more throughput than memory store for Redis with microseconds of latency, which oh, is phenomenal. 60 times, yeah. Yeah. So, um, the, and the other quote that I've, I found here really cool is, Memory store for Redis cluster intelligently places primaries and replica nodes across availability zones and manages automatic failovers to maximize availability and reduce complexity. Mm. And now it does this with a private service connect. It does. And and you only need two IP addresses for any size cluster. Yeah, that's right. And the yeah. I looked at this and went, hang on, simplified cluster endpoint management by only requiring two IP addresses for any size cluster, even for 250 Redis nodes. Like, 
hang on, how are they doing that? So they must have how are they doing that? Yeah, some load balancer in front of there that's uh, that's load balancing those requests. And right, and the two ex- is for the redundancy. Yeah, yep. exposing that via PSC. Yeah. Um, some other really cool features that came with it is integration with um, IAM, so Identity and Access Management, um, out of the box audit logging in transit encryption with TLS and integration with cloud monitoring. Or, of course, all the Google Cloud goodness. The, yeah, all the goodness that comes with it. Yeah. Um, obviously, a darn sight better option than trying to manage Redis yourself because I've been there, I've done that, it's not fun. <laughs> Cannot recommend. <laughs> of course, uh, you get things like community use discounts and they cite the uh, the navigation map um, app ways uh, uses it. Oh, there you go. Oh, there you go. Mm. I didn't read that bit. Mm. That's what happens when you skim read articles. <laughs> so, yeah, go check it out. It's fully GA now. Yeah. Uh, all right, moving on with a couple of security items. Um, hackers could exploit Google Workspace and Cloud Platform for ransomware attacks. Yeah, this one's, uh, this one's an interesting one. So, look, it's... It's primarily targeted at businesses that are using Windows machines and using uh, Google credential provider for Windows. So the prerequisite for this attack is that the act, the bad actor has to already have gained access to a machine uh, using that GCPW application. Um, for those who don't know, Google credential provider for Windows um, is an application that you install when you spin up Google Workspace and it, allow, it allows the administrators of the domain to manage your device as well as give you single sign-on. Um, and so the way this attack works is starting from the compromised machine, uh, threat actors can progress in several different paths. So they could move on to other cloned machines from, uh, with GCPW installed, gain access to cloud platform with custom permissions, or decrypt locally stored passwords to continue their attack beyond the Google ecosystem. Now, that's the scary bit. Mm. Now, Google has marked this bug as not eligible for fixing because it's outside the threat model and the behavior is in line with Chrome's practices of storing local data. And that frightens me a little bit that there's, there's a known path to attack a, an environment and Google's like, eh, it works with Chrome. Chrome does that; it's fine. So to summarise how this works, um, there's a refresh token involved. The refresh token is subsequently utilised to construct an HTTP POST request to the endpoint uh, in Google APIs to obtain an access token, which in turn can be abused to retrieve, manipulate, or delete sensitive data associated with the Google account. Yep. So it's that old access token yeah. vector. Yeah. Yep, 100%. And it's, look, it's obviously an issue, um, something that workspace admins need to be acutely aware of um, and protect machines accordingly. Right. And uh, if you know the local account, you can get on the machine. So mm. if you're going to have local accounts, um, well, make sure that they've got, you know, Secured passwords. Uh, try not to have local accounts, I guess. Mm. Um, if you do have secured passwords, yeah. Well, you've got to have 
a Windows machine, at least you've got to have a, a local admin account on there. So mm. just make sure that local admin account password is stupid long and recorded in a password manager somewhere. Cool. All right. And uh, Automatic Stealer distributes malware to Macs through false browser downloads. Yeah, this was another one I found out there on the in the, the wild web. Um, and so this affects Chrome, right? It does affect Chrome. It affects mm. Google Chrome and Apple Safari browser um, on Macs. So uh, it's a it's a Atomic Stealer, also known as Amos, which is uh, malware targeting Apple users. So everybody's aware that, that Windows has been the target of malware for forever. Um, and up until now, threat actors didn't expand into Mac OS um, in any sort of consistent way. But Clearfake... Uh, is the mechanism, is delivery mechanism, advertises itself as updates for Safari browser and Google Chrome browser. And the malware is capable of grabbing a user's data and sending it to an attacker's command and control server. Um, now, the, the bit here that, that has people worried is it's being actively updated um, and that its use of smart contacts in particular makes it one of the most prevalent and dangerous social engineering schemes. So looking at the screenshots in the article, which obviously we'll link to, uh, it shows a, a Safari window with um, Safari 17.1 and a download button there. And it looks legitimately like a, an Apple page. Uh, but you Up, Update your browser. Yeah, update, update your, browser, your browser. That's yeah, right. right. Yeah. And same, same for the Chrome one. Um, they've got a, a Chrome page there that looks exactly like uh, a Chrome download page. And it just said you need to update your browser to view the content. Mm. Um, and you download that and it pulls down a DMG file yep and uh, you go in and you run the contents of the DMG file and bang you're gone yep done Mm. you are owned Uh, any news on a fix for this Um, there's not so much a fix for it there's a way to protect against it Uh, so for security admins and IT pros uh, that are out there uh, in order to protect people from Clearfake and Atomic Stealer, um, keep your web protection tools up to date, obviously. Um, remind employees not to download stuff from untrusted sites. Um, I would suspect don't download things from trusted sites either. Um, just just don't download stuff that you don't need. And, yep. um, and, and make users aware of it. Make users aware that, hey, you might see this, this sort of a page on your Mac... If you do, it's malware, you install it, and you're going to lose your information and yeah. our information. Sounds like uh, something that could be set up easily for one of the uh, fish, uh, fish detectors. Yeah. You know, the fish hunting things that you run in a corporation. Yeah, that's it. That's the it. one that I deliberately clicked on the other week. <laughs> <laughs> I never see what they do. <laughs> I'd sent so many of them out to users in, in my life and I've never actually seen the end result of clicking on the, on the link. No, so I was like, Margaret, I'm going to click on it. <laughs> I know it's phishing, but I don't care. <laughs> you must report for reprogramming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, incidentally, I didn't. That, that was 10 days ago that I was supposed to. <laughs> Not your problem now. Nope. Um, I'm moving on. Uh, Google researchers discover Reptar. A new CPU vulnerability. There seems to be more and more of these these days. Oh, there is. There's, um, there's heaps of them. Yeah. Today, we're detailing the findings of Reptar, CVE 
2023-23583, a new CPU vulnerability that impacts several Intel desktop, mobile, and CPU servers, and server CPUs. Um, Google's information security engineering team reported the vulnerability to Intel, who disclosed the vulnerability today. So Google's found it, told Intel via their right channels, and Intel are disclosing it. That's it. So uh, this one actually, so there's a little bit of a detail here on how it works. Uh, So the Google security researcher that identified it, identified a vulnerability related to how redundant prefixes are interpreted by the CPU, which leads to bypassing the CPU's security boundaries if exploited successfully. Now, um, prefixes allow you to change how instructions behave by enabling or disabling features. Um, The full rules are complicated, uh, but in general, if you use a prefix that doesn't make sense or conflicts with another prefix, we call those redundant. Usually redundant prefixes are ignored. Um, so this impact, uh, the impact of this vulnerability is demonstrated when exploited by an attacker in a multi-tenant virtualized environment as the exploit on a guest machine causes a host machine to crash, resulting in a denial of service. Um, additionally, the vulnerability could potentially lead to information disclosure or privilege escalation. Right. If they manage to unlock the secret combination of prefixes that are needed to do that. That's right. Yeah. So obviously that's a that's a huge risk for Google because mm. I mean they run a whole heap of Intel CPUs out in the in the wild there, yep. and it is a shared environment. Now to me this doesn't sound like something that could be fixed easily with a firmware update in the um, like a microcode update because the way these prefixes work seem to be fundamental in um, the operation of the CPU. Yeah, quite uh, possibly. Unless there's some other way that they can flag or ignore these redundant prefixes without causing any sort of a DDoS or binning them, you know, putting them to a trash some other way. Uh, potentially microcode that ignores the combination of prefixes that causes the crash. Maybe that microcode update might might have yeah, I, it's gonna be, I don't know. It's going to be a constant arms race. Though. Oh, it it's going to be yeah, constantly yeah. on top of each other. You're, <laughs> you're basically going to end up thwarting the entire capability of the CPU. But yeah, yeah. But I think at it, least I in the you, short term, you could do this, the same sort of thing you're doing, or they do with virus heuristics. You just set up some heuristics and look for patterns that you know uh, cause problems, and then hmm. you know ignore or do something with that. I don't know. Yeah. Not sure how they're going to fix it, but uh, yeah, let's hope that let's hope they do. Yep, yep. Just another one, another another argument for ARM, hey? That's it, and, and re- reduced instruction sets. Yeah. Although I'm sure ARM's got its fair share of of uh, security flaws as well. We just haven't found them because it's not as prevalent. We haven't found. Yep, yep, yep. All right, should we get on with the AI wars? AI wars. And uh, during the fortnight, we could not ignore what was going on at OpenAI and the whole saga over there. 
Um, Ian was right. You were right in it. You oh, were loving telling me it. all about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just so you sat it. down and you, you came up with a little summary of what was going on. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> and 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 you're gonna you're gonna walk us through that now and fill us all in on what's going on over yeah. at OpenAI. <laughs> Look, it was quite the saga. It was it was sort of like an episode of Days of Our Lives. Um, <laughs> not that I've watched that in a number of years. Um, so Friday, Saturday in Australia, but Friday in um, in America. Uh, the OpenAI board decided to fire Sam Altman, who uh, was a CEO and one of the founders of OpenAI. Um, he met with uh, Isla Suchskiva, um, as well as uh, some non-employee board members. Uh, then a bit after that, Greg Brockman, who was one of the other founders of OpenAI, learns from the board uh, of Altman's removal and that he has been removed as a chair but they, they go on to say that he's crucial in running OpenAI and would retain his role. Uh, Brockman later quit. Uh, the board appointed Mira Murati, who is an ex-Tesla person, as interim CEO. Um, following that, and this is all happening on Friday, remember, from midday yeah, yeah, onwards, yeah, yeah. three OpenAI researchers quit, and quite senior ones too, from, from what I've read. These uh, are Jacob... Pachoki, um, AI Risk Evaluation Head Alexander Madry, and AI Researcher Simon Cedor, um, and a number of high-profile investors who were blindsided by the events, including Microsoft, who owns 49% of OpenAI. Uh, Nadella, Satya Nadella, who obviously CEO of Microsoft, was quoted as being left surprised and furious They've all got their noses out of joint oh, about very Sam much. Altman being being sacked, right? Yeah, the well, start yeah, yeah. And, that, and and not being consulted on it. Mm, like, mm. you got to imagine that Microsoft... Well, they only own 49%. Yeah, that's they right. They have to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so Microsoft released a statement shortly after Altman's removal saying the company is committed to its partnership with OpenAI. And then just hours after being fired from OpenAI, Altman is hired by Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> So Microsoft was uh, touche. Yeah, Microsoft <laughs> was going to start their own AI division. Um, so Saturday, that's, that's Friday. That's Friday. That's, that's just Friday. Friday. <laughs> it was just a whirlwind of of blog posts coming out and tweets, and oh. I had to uh, sit through hours of reading tweets from various people on Friday. <laughs> Saturday was no different. Uh, so Microsoft and Thrive Capital, who are the two biggest investors in OpenAI. Uh, are helping orchestrate the efforts, and that was in quotation marks, to reinstate Altman. Uh, talk of investors forcing the hand of the board by working with Microsoft to withhold cloud credits, mass resignations from staff being threatened, and potential lawsuits from investors. Mm. Um, so the the board decided Mira Murati is no longer suitable. She was removed from in, as the interim CEO um, after she publicly aligned with Sam Altman. Uh, former Twitch CEO, and co-founder Emmett Shear was named as the interim CEO, which I find quite funny because has never had anything to do with AI in his life. But sure, we'll yeah, make we'll it. Just, see, you just make him the CEO see, of an AI company. Yeah, Should be fine. CEO, you know, it's all right. <laughs> so as of Saturday, 505 of the 770 OpenAI employees signed an open letter to the board threatening to quit if Altman was not returned and the board resigned by 5 p.m. Saturday. Oh, that that would have been the end of OpenAI right there. Right there, right there and then. That would yeah. have, they're gone. Uh, so yeah. the OpenAI bo- um, agrees in principle to resign 
and then and I I, I will qu- put this in air quotes waffles. <laughs> now I'm not in sh- entirely sure what waffles means. Must be an Americanism, um, because it was said in a in a Twitter post or an X post. Uh, so okay, next thing. Chief Strategy Officer Jason Kwan told employees he was optimistic of Altman's return and would share more on Sunday morning. And then the board refused to resign. So that's Saturday. So I, w- w- waffles, I think, means they're probably just like talking rubbish, yeah, just like talking just, on just, and on, like waffling on, yeah. you know. So there's a bit of lip service, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll, we'll resign. It's fine. It's fine. We'll resign. Yeah. They never did. Yeah. Never and that's no. that, uh, initially I took it as that too, but yeah, yeah. the context that it, like that was literally the context of it was they agreed in principle to resign and then waffle. And I'm like, yeah. what? Um, just an odd way to write it. Yeah. Know? So Sunday, a bit more drama. You know, it's it's like the next episode of Days of Our Lives. Uh, Microsoft creates an AI division and announces that Sam Altman is going to head it. Um, they also extended an open invitation to all OpenAI staff that resign to join the company. <laughs> so you can see where this is going. This is a, oh, yeah. right, if you're going to stuff OpenAI up completely, we're just going to take it all from you. Yep. Uh, OpenAI chief scientist Isla Sutskvia um, the the person who sacked Sam Altman um, and was reportedly the lead in the push to remove him uh, noted on X, formerly Twitter, uh, that he had some regrets about the weekend of chaos inside OpenAI. And there is talk, and I've got it in in, in uh, brackets here, of a power struggle between Sam Altman and Isla Sutskivia. Certainly sounds that way. It does. Mm. And by Sunday afternoon, more than 700 of the 770 OpenAI employees had signed a letter to the board. <sighs> and another 5pm deadline passes, and the deal to reinstate Altman has fallen apart. He was quoted as saying uh, he was walking into OpenAI's headquarters on Sunday, wearing a visitor badge, and he was quoted uh, as saying, this is the first and last time I will ever walk into this building wearing a visitor badge. So right. that that's obviously so either he's, he was coming back as an employee or he's not coming back yep, at all. That's pretty much <laughs> it. Yeah. So Monday, Mira Mirati and Isla have also signed the letter to the board. Now, note hmm. to self: Mira and Isla are both board members. So the board resigns after much pressure. Sam Mottman and Greg Brockman have now returned to OpenAI. Uh the new initial board is Salesforce co-CEO Brett Taylor, who's the new chair, Treasury Secretary uh, Larry Summers, and co-founder of Quora, Adam D'Angelo, who's the only remaining board member out of all of... There was, there was like 12 on the board, I think, from memory. Um, and there's also talk of Microsoft representation on the board. And finally, in the closing piece to the... Saga that is OpenAI, Microsoft scrapped its AI division. Right, that they had had open for all of one day. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> oh, that, was, that was literally an entire day of scraping Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a drama. Oh. So the board effectively got themselves sacked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The board <laughs> created a huge yeah. amount of turmoil and got mm. themselves sacked. So, look, there, there, the letter to the board, I, I did have a good read of it. Um, the letter to the board was fairly damning on them. 
Uh, there was quotes in there of um, you don't have the capability to lead open AI. You're, you are narrow-minded or you've got shutters on or words to that effect. So, look, it was, it was pretty blunt. Yeah. But Ilya Satskiva, she's still there. Mm. Is she still there? Yeah, as far as I'm aware. He. Right. He is so still there. She was, it's a he. Oh, sorry. He, uh, it's a he. Sorry. Uh, he is still there. And that's Altman's biggest n- nemesis, as far as we can tell. Not on that. the board, though. Not on the board. Not okay. on the board. Right. I see. Chief scientist, as, as chief scientist yep. position, though. Yep. Right. Right, so they must be button heads. I, that's, that's, I think that's what's triggered that all off. Yeah, I reckon so too. I, it, it, yeah. it just read, all of the articles that I read, it read like a power struggle. Mm. And every article I read showed Ilya as, the, as the, the protagonist in this scenario and uh, got himself squashed. Yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine he has too many friends in the room now after all that drama. No, no, I would I would say not. He needs to watch himself. <laughs> so this was this was uh, the weekend just gone, just gone. Yeah, right. Okay, and uh, we've not heard anything much since then. So we'll give it a week and see what happens. I think mm. they're probably they're probably. Uh, you know, keeping giving each other a wide berth at the moment. Yeah, it's probably <laughs> probably uh, there's a bit of restructuring going on inside of OpenAI could potentially. Could be. Could um, be. <laughs> who knows? But look, it was it was a tumultuous few days mm. um, for and I and I really do feel for the employees at OpenAI because that would have been horrendous to sit through. Like you have no idea what's going to happen come Monday. You like, yeah. Well, they have a job at Microsoft, you know. Yeah, they're but, always going to get it. <laughs> but the the other side of that is that they there might be contracts with OpenAI that they can't breach, and yeah, who knows? Yeah, right. We only know what's in the news. That's if OpenAI actually existed as an entity after that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, there's no board then. <laughs> yep. Um. All right, so we'll keep an eye on that and see where we go. Interesting to see if it has any effect on any of their uh, development cycle, um, mm. any any new things that they're coming out with. Um, but um, but in the meantime, um, Spotify, Spotify. Now Spotify has been on Google Cloud for a little while. Yeah. Um, in fact, we looked at it, didn't they? They they moved to Google Cloud back in twenty sixteen. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Uh, Spotify partners with Google Cloud for podcasts and audiobooks. So um, what they're planning to do now is introduce um, – and this is a bit weird because they've been using AI for music recommendations for a while, but they're going to introduce AI for music recommendations. <laughs> no, I think it's specifically for audiobooks yeah. and uh, audio con- uh, podca- uh, yeah, spoken podcasts. Podcasts and audiobooks, yeah. yeah. So they've yeah. been using yeah. OpenAI, incidentally. Mm-hmm. For music recommendations, so they've got this AI DJ that that does uh, churns out custom playlists and recommends new songs to you and all that sort of stuff. And it, and it, it back announces the songs and it's like a radio DJ. I've I've been using it a little bit. Yeah, right. Mm. I, I don't use Spotify anymore. I'm I, on um, YouTube Music, but but yeah. So they've been using OpenAI uh, to generate custom playlists and and that sort of stuff. Uh, but now they're going to use Google Cloud's LLM. 
uh, to analyze roughly 5 million podcasts and 350,000 audiobooks. We're going to be one of these podcasts. One of those yeah, podcasts. Yeah. Um, in its content library with a goal of trying to augment the metadata according to the press release. Right. So I'm just thinking about it from us as a content producer's perspective. Um, I spent a lot of time working out the show notes and what's going to go into the metadata and how it looks and the hyperlinks and all the rest of it in there. Um, I hope they don't screw all that up. No. Yeah, that would be bad. Right? Mm. Yeah, it'd be very bad. Look, in in their defence, I suppose, um, they have a long history of, of using AI. Uh, so a decade ago, they... Uh, they pioneered the usage of AI for the the AI DJ, mm. um, and there's they're exploring numerous ways uh, to enhance their revenue streams uh, with the use of AI. Parts of this effort, the company is is focusing on expanding its portfolio of revenue revenue generating formats. Mm. Now, um, you know, it'd be nice transcript. That'd be good. That'd be good. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that'd be really good. Um, because it's uh, it's a cluster trying to get a transcript done of a show. Don't you? Don't it really you? Is. Don't you get that already in Google Podcasts? Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, it might not. It's it, like, like a, It's Australian language. It's like a spaghettified mess oh, trying right. to do it. Like <laughs> it is trying to have more than one person and getting an accurate transcript. Just doesn't work. Yeah, it's wow. Just, we're not there. It's just we're not there. Um, and then when we do a show with like four or five people, forget about it. Right. Forget okay. It. Yeah, I didn't realize it was that bad. Yeah, and I'm not going to go through. I've tried. I'm not going to go through and read the whole transcript and fix fix typos and spelling nah. errors and and you know and uh, yeah. I mean the the amount of work that goes into actually making just like an hour's podcast that you guys hear at the end of the day. Um. I know Banky and I, we, we we spend a lot of time going through all of the articles that we can find on online and collating a list of them and then vetting them for relevance and all that sort of stuff. And, and, then, and then before that, we've got to read them and make sure that we understand what it's talking about, which is a fantastic <laughs> learning experience, I must say. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. It keeps you on the edge. It, it yep. really does. But the yep. amount of work involved in it is not it's not just us just getting together on a on a Thursday afternoon or or Friday morning or whatever it happens and just chatting for an hour. Um there It might sound like that. I know it's, <laughs> it and, might, and might if it sounds like that, that's perfect. That's exactly what we wanted. Yeah, that's exactly what we want. But no, there is a lot that goes in up front mm. and uh then I do a lot in post, right? Yeah. There's a lot of work that happens there. Um I just hope they don't screw the pooch with this. It'd be nice if there was some transcripts or just it was like an adjunct that didn't modify like the metadata that I already put there mm. um, or if it was optional you could opt out of it that'd be good too but just don't screw it up Spotify yep. don't screw it up yeah exactly yeah there you go alright and on that bombshell we might finish up there eh? I reckon so yeah um, don't forget uh, go to iTunes write us a review that really helped the show out uh, we're starting to get a little bit of feedback on um, LinkedIn now, too. There's yeah. some chats going around, a couple of posts going around. So, so look out for those on the socials. Yeah, and You'll feel see free to tag or, us. Yeah, tag us. Tag us in there. Um, hashtag GCP Life um, or put Ian Brown or myself, Stephen Bancroft. Uh, if there's something you like about the show, then do that, please. 
you can contact the show, gcplife at kasna.com.au. Um, I get spam on that email address, so I know that it works. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you've got something you want to mention uh, the on the spam show... There's always the first one to jump on an email address. Yeah. Uh, we've got the website there. Just Google that. And uh, I'm not going to ask you about the Mastodon server because no, I know we're guess, working on that. Because <laughs> you know how busy I've been over the last few weeks. <laughs> we're very, very busy. Maybe uh, when we get a little bit of elbow room over the, yeah, uh, the break, Christmas break, I might, the, might actually break. get it spun up. That's it. And don't forget, today's sponsor is Casna. At Casna, we make your Google Cloud solutions possible. One more show for the year. It's going to be yeah. a Christmas special next fortnight, so look out for that. Do I get to wear a Christmas hat? Uh, you can wear a Christmas hat if you like. Ho, ho, ho. Nice. Uh, <laughs> it might make a good Santa Claus. Uh, <laughs> I've got the beard for it. It's just not grey Exactly. <laughs> All right. That's about it from me. Anything else from you, No, nah, mate. I've had a ball uh, with this one. Awesome. I'll catch you later. Bye. Bye. I'm just, I'm watching um, For All Mankind. I don't know if you've seen that series. No. Um, it's about space. Yeah, nice. It was an Apple TV series, and mm-hmm. the whole premise of the show is, what if Russia landed on the moon before America? So, What if from, or what happened when? No, if Russia had a man on the moon before mm. America, right? So, the, the, it's, it's sort of semi-fictional in the fact that it follows the space program Mm. But all the way along, there's all these, what would have happened if this occurred, right? Yeah, right. So, so imagine Russia had a man on the moon before the US, and like that's kind of the catalyst for the whole thing, right? Like, yeah. where would the space program be now? Like, mm. And then all these other scenarios come in. What if women were involved earlier? What if like black people were involved earlier? What if, and all this extra stuff comes around, and- uh, there's four seasons of it, and basically, I think where they're going to end up is that we we end up on Mars, like we actually end up with a base on Mars because they've got a base on yeah, the right. moon now as a result of that because it ended up being a lot more competition between Russia and the US. Mm-hmm. So, and they find water on because they've known about water on the moon for a long time, and they say, well, we've got to get there and get it before Russia does because Russia can get to the moon now. <laughs> uh, we're going to get it before them. So they end up putting a base on there, and then Russia puts a base on there, and the whole thing, yeah, the space race continues basically because yeah, of that. Yeah, right. Yeah, fascinating stuff. Good show. Excellent show.